You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Uh, you can open your Bibles with me again over to Galatians. We're going to be looking at chapter 3 today. We're going to uh, bounce around quite a bit in chapter 3. It would take me weeks to uh, teach all of chapter 3, no doubt. Um, but I, I want to just bring some primary ideas out of it. We've been talking for several weeks about this idea that it's for freedom. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 tells us it's for that very reason that we could have freedom that Christ has set us free. And we're going to talk about some really important verses on what that means uh, this week. They're out of Galatians chapter 3. But just as way of a, a little bit of review, um, you know, we talked about the fact from some other verses that Bible basically tells us that Jesus came to set us free from anything and everything that would hinder us from having a close relationship with God and receiving and living in the abundant life that Jesus came to give. So whatever it is that would hinder us, bind us, hold us back, tie us up, Jesus came and there is freedom from that, salvation from that, redemption from whatever that is uh, in him. There is freedom from, we, we usually think of this in terms of sin and the sin condition, which is absolutely true. We think of this in terms of freedom from both sin's domination in our life. We do not, whatever it is that would try to hold you as far as sin goes, there is power in Christ to overcome that. We live in a brand new resurrection life that we just talked about. The same resurrection life that is in him, that he lives in today, is in us. You have power over sin in him. And so by walking with him, that gets broken. We talk about the fact that sin still produces what the Bible calls death, which is which is separation from the presence of God spiritually, but also it's everything that flows out of sin in the earth. It's all the negative stuff. And I was just, I just heard this statistic the other day and, and I was just thinking in these terms, it's by no means, you know, this is just one example. But statistically, they're tracing, if you put together um, the demise, the destruction of the... Uh, nuclear family in the United States. You, you, you look at the increase of divorce, the increase of children born out of wedlock, the, the fatherlessness, all of those types of statistics, kids growing up in homes without a mom and a dad, that, that whole deal. And, and you look at how that has increased. And the root of that is that, and the Bible tells us that in the last days, uh, the love of a majority of people is going to grow cold. We're going to have a harder time loving one another the way that Christ loves us, which means unconditionally. So in other words, we're getting less and less inclined to lay down our lives and our desires for another person and live for their good out of love. And instead, we're living more selfishly. We're living, uh, we, we don't want any restrictions on our life. We're, we're um, living more autonomously, we're thinking of ourselves. it's really selfishness. And, and that, of course, kills relationships. So it's getting harder and harder for us to keep any kind of relationship together, let alone uh, a marriage. So because of that, we see this increase 
uh, in, in kids growing up. Well, right, if you lay that statistic beside the statistics about the increase in violent crime and the younger and younger and younger age at which people are engaging in violent crime, they parallel one another perfectly. I mean, they, they're just almost synonymous. And the, the point is, we're, that's the wages of sin. That's us. We, sin produces negative things in our life and in society. Doesn't matter if you don't want to believe that or, or you don't like the term sin or, you know, you know, whatever those philosophies are that are out there. Doesn't matter. Just track it. You can see that it does this. And, and that's just one example. But it's very clear. So Jesus has come certainly to free us from sin uh, and its domination in our own personal lives. And as more and more people enter into that freedom and that life that he has, society gets better too. You know, the city gets better. Things go better. Things go better with Jesus, more so than Coke. Most of you probably don't even remember that commercial. Um, so, so yes, Jesus came to set us free from sin. But the biggest thing that Paul is talking about in the book of Galatians is not so much sin. But he's talking about that Jesus has set us free from approaching God in a legalistic fashion. And we're going to talk more about that this morning if I ever get going on these verses. That, that he has set us free from the law. We're going to talk about why the law was there and, and what the law is. But he has set us free from that approach to God. And instead, we are to live in, in a a free, living, relational uh, approach to our relationship with God. We've, a legalism, religious legalism, is any system, any set of do's and don'ts, any, uh, you know, any bullet points that we would take hold of in our life. Try to, we'll try to do these things in our own effort and avoid those things in our own effort in order to be made acceptable with God or to receive God's blessing in our life. If we feel like if I don't go to church this week, my week won't go well. Well, that might be true, but it's not because God will be mad at you or because you violated the law that you have to go to church. The point is, did you connect with God, right? So there are people who feel like uh, I have to, if I read my Bible this much, then I'm okay with God. If I don't read it that much, then I'm not okay with God. It's that kind of approach based on any set of behaviors, outward behaviors. My pastor, and I've always loved this, he is always, when he's talking about grace, living by grace versus works or living by law versus freedom in Christ, he's always talked about that it's the difference between living a life of restraint, self-restraint, I am, I am in my own willpower, I am resisting and restraining myself from sin, whatever sin that might be. It's the difference between that and the life of transformation, the life of being changed inwardly by our time with the Lord, so that now in this new covenant, we live the essence and the spirit of the law. And let's just think of the law. It's much more than the Ten Commandments, but let's just make it simple this morning. Uh, you know, just think about the Ten Commandments as the law of Moses. Um, 
all of those commandments reflect what holiness is. They all reflect who God is. They all reflect his nature. But if we're trying to live them from the outside as a set of regulations and restrictions in our life, if we're trying to live them that way, that's legalism. Now, with the Holy Spirit living in us through what Jesus did, we live those principles from the heart. He changes our thinking The Bible tells us we need to be transformed by the renewing, the remodeling of our mind, of our thinking, so that we think like God, we think like the Word. And so we live from the way we're actually thinking. The transformation of our hearts to where our desires are like His desires. Our will becomes compatible with His will, right? That's transformation, legalism keeps us out of transformation and keeps us in a life of restraint, or you might say a life of obligation, a life of coercion. We're always trying to force things and we can't do it. And nobody's ever been able to do it, which was a big part of why the law was there, to teach mankind over a long period of time, because we are not always quick to learn, uh, you know, that you can't do this. You cannot keep the law perfectly. You cannot keep it with your heart, with your thought life, and with your actions perfectly. Nobody can. And if you're guilty of violating one part, you're guilty of the whole thing. That's the way law works, okay? So all of that was was a lesson saying, see, the Savior is coming, and you need the Savior. And people who live during that time had to, they, they needed their, their salvation is in dying in faith toward the fact that God was sending a savior. And, and so we were, Paul in this book, because people were coming along behind him and behind his teaching and teaching people that, yes, you need Jesus, but you know what? You also need to keep the law of Moses and the festivals of Israel and all that. You, know, you need to do all those things outwardly too. All right. And then, sure, add Jesus to that. People were coming along teaching these churches in Galatia this, and Paul was coming along and, and teaching them, no, you have been set free in Christ. All right. So let's go. Let's begin today in um, verse 2 of chapter 3, and we'll just see how far we get with this. Um, so I'm reading this from the New Living today. Uh, I, I like the way this reads in these, in these particular verses. I think they make it really easy to understand. So beginning in verse 2 of Galatians chapter 3, Paul says, Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Holy Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. You believed the gospel. Okay, so he's saying... Holy Spirit didn't come into your life by obeying the law. People are telling you, you got to obey the law. How did you get saved? How did the Holy Spirit come into your life? It wasn't through obeying the law. It was through believing the word, believing the message, believing the gospel. He says, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect that term means mature or bringing something to completion. It talks about us growing up in Christ, right? Uh, how, how, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? In other words, okay, you've been born again. Now, why are you trying to grow toward maturity 
by obeying the law, by going back to self-effort. Make sense? He says, if you experienced or, or suffered so much for nothing, he's talking about you guys have been persecuted like crazy for believing Christ was all that for nothing. Are you going to go back and submit to, to rule keeping now? He says, surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. So we still see this today. Most of us, I mean, if we came to the Lord, most of us came through understanding that we couldn't make ourselves right with God. Jesus came, died for our sins, uh, came to set us free from sin, came to open this relationship with God, and that we needed to put our faith in him and in his work on the cross, not in our own works. Most of us, that's how we came to Christ. Some way or another, might have not been those exact words, but we understood this message of grace, that it's by what Jesus did and my faith in that, that I am saved and get born again. But many of us at different points in our Christian growth fall back into thinking, okay, yes, I was born again that way. I was born again by grace through faith. But now, in order to become more mature, I've got to go back into self-effort. And we may not think that out that way, but that's what we do. We, we, we start to go back under law. Well, I've got to do these things or God's not pleased anymore with me. I've got to do these things, or God's just going to ignore me. When, when we knew good and well, that was not the way it was, and that was not the way it worked when we first received Christ. That makes sense to you? We still do this. And I'm going to say something here about law, rule keeping, okay? I know that in my own life, the only way for me to grow spiritually and get on top of different things that still come up out of my flesh or whatever is by the grace of God and, and knowing that even when I sin, God's opinion of me doesn't change because it's based on what Jesus did, not what I did. And his love for me doesn't change. His, his, that place of righteousness and acceptance doesn't change. So that means I can go back to him and I can repent of that sin and I can just fully flow again in that forgiveness. In that place, I can receive the grace to overcome whatever that sin is that's trying to get in my life or I've been carrying for years or whatever as I'm growing. I know that's the way to do it. And that's where my trust is. However, sometimes in my own life, I will, I'll come up against something and it's like, okay, you're addicted to sweets again, and this is bad for your body, and you've got to stop this, and you know you're not supposed to be doing this, and because of the grip it gets on me, it's sin. There's no question about it. It's sin. And, and so I know at that point, yes, I turn to the Lord and say, God, I need your help. I need your grace. I need your power to work in me. But at the same time, I put myself in what I call boot camp, which is essentially applying law to myself and saying, no, you will not have a chocolate chip cookie or whatever it might be. Either don't go into mochas or ignore <laughs> the brownies in the case, one or the other, okay? But this is the rule and body, you will live by it. I don't trust that to get me free because if that's all I do, I'll, I'll fail for sure. 
uh, the body will win eventually. So I don't. So I don't just do that. I turn to the Lord, and I know that ultimately my freedom is through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that honestly is where my trust is. But I will temporarily, for myself, this may work for you, it may not. I will temporarily, for myself, apply rules and apply law. But I know that's not enough. Um, um, what would I call it? Not just self-effort, but uh, willpower is not going to make it, okay? It, it always fails because my will isn't that strong, <laughs> but God's will is. So I hope you understand what I'm saying. So I, I use law in my own life sometimes, but I don't trust law. I don't, you know, all it does is break the addiction for a little while as I spend time with God and get my mind back where it should be and my heart back where it should be. And, and the goal is eventually to be able to eat a chocolate chip cookie once in a while. You know, I mean, that's okay when it's once in a while. But when you're, when as soon as they enter the house, your brain can never let go of the fact that there are chocolate chip cookies. You know, that's addiction, people, whatever it might be. When you can't, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's cookie God. And I'm not going to serve cookie God. But if cookie can be my servant once in a while, then that's the goal to be able to live. And that to me, that's, that's freedom <laughs> is, is to be able to have, you know, have one of Barb's wonderful Midwest brownies once in a while, instead of for the last few months, it's like, they're out there. Sorry, Beck, can't touch them, you know, and, and cause I'm in boot camp again. Anyway, I hope that makes sense to you. So, I mean, law has its purpose, but it's not, it's not going to bring freedom, uh, it, you know, in and of itself. And so as we're growing, this is something we tend to do. It's like, yeah, I know I got saved by putting my faith in him and the grace of God and the power that's released through the grace of God into my life. It transforms me. It changes me. I know I got saved that way, but now God, you know, hold, hold my beer. I don't even drink beer. You know, hold my whatever. I'm going to go hold my iced tea, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take care of this. And then I'll talk to you. Whenever we get into that place, we're depending on law and rule keeping. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, So just remember, there's no part of the Christian life that ever is going to uh, be accomplished by human effort. It's all going to be done by the grace of God. That doesn't mean, I'm just trying to think because there was something that tied into this in worship this morning. That doesn't mean that it's all going to be done by the grace of God, that doesn't mean I put no effort. It's where I put my effort. I put my effort into connecting with God and having that intimacy with God because that's where the power for change comes from. I just, just because it's all going to come through grace doesn't mean I just get lazy and, and don't do anything about my spiritual life. It means that through grace, through the connection with God, that's where the life is going to come. All right, so, you know, when the Bible talks about us waiting on the Lord, sometimes we think that means, oh, I'm just going to hang out, do what I'm doing, and someday when God feels like it, he'll set me free from something. That's not what that means. That, that idea of waiting in the Old Testament is tying yourself together and having a very um, pliable, movable heart. 
and, and tying yourself together with the Lord in things like worship, in the word, in, in all of that. You're, you're connecting with him. That's waiting on the Lord. It's not just, I'm just going to hang out and eventually, if it's his will, you know, he'll do it. Well, if it wasn't his will, he wouldn't have put it in his word. So, all right, I'm running out of time. Uh, so let's go over to Galatians 3.10. Like I said, we're going to kind of bounce around here. We'll have to find a good place to unplug here pretty quick. So in, in verse 10 here, Paul says, all who rely on observing the law, which means uh, valuing doing the law, are under a curse. For it's written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So again, the thing about law is you got to keep it all. And you've got to keep it all perfectly. All right, and we don't understand this term curse. We'll talk about that in a second, but um, I'll just read these to you. In Galatians 3, 21 and 22, Paul says, if the law could, or if there was a law that could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. So in other words, the law doesn't even have the power to give us new life. All right, it's there for some reasons, but it doesn't have the power to give us new life. It says, but the scriptures declare we're all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. One of the primary reasons for the law being given was to show us that we needed a Savior. It was to show us because, just what this verse says, if you're relying on keeping the law, well, you better understand, you've got to keep it perfectly, inwardly and outwardly. You can't ever have a thought that violates the law. You can't speak a word that violates the law, let alone do an action. Nobody can do that. Don't feel bad if you've failed at doing that because everybody but Jesus did. Everybody but Jesus. That's why he's the Savior. That's why it's his life that we have now. All right? At the same time, you still with me? We are designed by God to live by faith. We all live by faith in something all the time. We live out of what we trust in our hearts. God made us that way so that we could live by faith in him. And so the idea is, yeah, you can't keep the law in your own self-effort. It's impossible. You will fail. No question about it. You can. Everyone, every person on planet earth can live by faith. They can connect with God through faith, come into freedom from the law as a regulation and begin to walk with God and live and, and produce the fruit that aligns with the law out of their own hearts. All of us can do that. This fact that, that God made this whole salvation that we have and enjoy available by faith, that made it available to every person on earth because we're all built that way. He built all of us that way. So it's actually a tremendously freeing thing to know that, yep, nobody can keep the law, but you know what? That's not how we connect with God and get his life anyway. It's, it's not the way we do it. We do it by faith, and we can all do that. Let's, let's take this one more little passage, and then we'll just have to get, really, this talk was about Galatians uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 13 and 14, but we're not going to get there today. Okay, um, so... Verses 23 through 25, we'll just finish up with this today. It says, 
before the way of faith in Christ was available to us. Again, before Jesus had gone to the cross and there was this availability of connecting with God and being acceptable to him through faith in Jesus. Before that, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. This is telling us why, if the law can't save us, why did God give it? This is telling us, okay? Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian. Notice that word guardian. These are two different terms. Placed under guard is one of them, and the term guardian here is another. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law to uh, protect us as our guardian. We no longer need the law as our guardian. Sorry. So this term placed under guard, we were placed under guard by the law. It literally means to be kept under military guard in protective custody. All right, so the law, and again, let's just think of the Ten Commandments. There's a lot more to it than that, but just think of that. Um, Those commandments, the ones that were given by God, they were there to keep people safe from the ravages of what sin does in our life. And so if you live to the best of your ability under that law and He also gave them a system of sacrifice for sin that covered sin. He gave them them systems of worship. He gave them all these ways that weren't nearly as good as what we have, but that would keep them safe until Jesus could come, until the time that Jesus could come. So the goal, this is interesting, it's being this placed under guard, it means kept under military guard or in protective custody And the goal of it is to preserve people. And and so there's this idea that the law was there to keep people safe spiritually. Also, the fact that Israel was given that law and given that system of worship and, and the tabernacle and then the temple and all of that that went on coming down to Jesus, it preserved the seed. It preserved the lineage from Abraham through which Jesus Christ was going to come. It preserved the word of God, the knowledge that there is a God in heaven and that he's like this. He's, he's not a thief and he's not jealous and he's not an adulterer and he's not a murderer and he's, he's not all of the things that we see under the Ten Commandments. He is like this. He is not like that. He is not like the gods these other nations worship. He is like this. He wants a people for himself Uh, All of these different ideas were preserved because the law was given to Israel and it was carried down through the generations. There were lots of great reasons for the law. It's not that the law was bad. It's that we have something much better. Does that make sense to you? All right. Because of, I, I think I just said this, I'll read it anyway. Because of the law and the protective actions of God, the knowledge of God, his word and his ways were preserved in Israel till the coming of Jesus. So, um, and then in verse 24, it says that the law was our guardian. This is a little bit different idea. I talked to you a little bit about it last week. This is the idea, it translates to a schoolmaster, but again, we usually think of a schoolmaster as the principal of the school. The schoolmaster was 
a servant that took the kids to school. And it, it started out, this word meant that person that was given a charge over these precious children to get make sure they got safely to school. As the word developed, you know, language develops, it came to mean someone who had that job, but also did some instruction. And the law did both of those things. Again, it preserved Israel. It preserved the knowledge of God. It, if it, it kept humanity, in a sense, safe as they moved toward the point where Jesus Christ could come. So the law was there as a preserver. It was, the, it was there to set boundaries. It was there to keep, you know, it's like putting a fence around your life and you don't go across that because you get hurt on the other side. That's what the, that's what the law did. And again, it reflected the life of God. It still does reflect the life of God, but now we get to live it from the heart. Now we're in a different place where we can, through faith in Jesus, have this relationship with God, have his spirit in us, have our desires, our very desires transformed to where I don't even want to do the things that used to be so appealing to me. I have no desire to do them. I have desire to do other things. And, and so sin loses its power when we're not living under law. There's another place in the scripture, and, and I didn't pull it out, where... Uh, it's over in Romans, where Paul talks about the fact that law actually stimulates sin. It actually evokes uh, sin out of the flesh, you know, and, and we know it because as soon as they put up a speed limit sign, we, you know, we think about how much faster than that can I go and not break the law? You know, as soon as they put up uh, any kind of restriction, this is why in the natural we have 40 billion laws on the books because as human beings, a law, oh, how can I get around that? That's sin and rebellion, raising its little head like a snake coming out of the crack in the sidewalk, raising its little head and saying, you know, where, where how, how can I, how can I, well, I kind of keep that, but let's go around the side. Law does that. Whereas grace and knowing Jesus, it removes the sting, it removes the power from sin in your life to where it's not even appealing anymore. And yeah, it doesn't all happen at once. Be nice if it did. It doesn't all happen at once. We're going to keep growing for our whole life, but we've got to do it through connecting with him in grace. All right, we'll just unhook right there. I didn't get to the good part. No, it's okay. Some of that had to be good. Let's, let's stand up and pray this morning. There's always next week unless Jesus comes and then none of us will care. So... All right, Father, I just, Lord, I, I thank you for what you're, I just pray that all of us, all of us that are hearing this message, we would keep growing in grace. We would keep growing in freedom. We would keep growing in our relationship with you. Father, that that intimacy with you would keep growing. And, and Father, that all of us through meditating your word, through our, our time with you, our times of worship, Lord, just all of that. Thank you for the transformation and the renewing of our minds and our hearts that takes place as we spend time with you. And Father, for all of us, the various issues that we still struggle with, the various sin issues that we still struggle with, 
I thank you, Lord, that you are the solution to every one of them, that you have freedom from any of that domination, from any of that consequence. You have that freedom for us. And Lord, we receive it as we walk with you. We thank you so much for it. And I pray too that as this body goes out into this community this week, we can communicate grace and not legalism to people without falling into any kind of compromise or making light of sin or any of that, Lord, just that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and you are available to everyone. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to say it on the count of three, that Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world, and then you guys go out and be the church. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.